Children's Homer, Part 1. Chapter 3 When Telemachus went back to the hall, those who were feasting there had put the wine cups from them and were calling out for Phemius, the minstrel, to come and sing some tale to delight them. And as he went amongst them, one of the wooers said to another, The guest who was with him has told Telemachus something that has changed his bearing. Never before did I see him hold himself so proudly. Mayhap he has spoken to him of the return of his father, the renowned Odysseus. Phemius came, and the wooers called upon him to sing them a tale, and the minstrel, in flowing verse, began the tale of the return of the kings and princes from Troy, and of how some god or goddess put a trouble upon them as they left the city they had taken. And as the minstrel began the tale, Penelope, Telemachus's lady mother, was coming down the stairs with two handmaids beside her. She heard the words he sang, and she stood still in her grief and drew her veil across her face. Oh, Phemius, she cried, cease from that story that ever wastes my heart, the story that has brought me sorrow, that leaves me comfortless all my days. Oh, Phemius, do not know other tales of men and gods that you might sing in this hall for the delight of my noble wooers? The minstrel would have ceased when Penelope spoke thus to him, but Telemachus went to the stairway where his lady mother stood and addressed her. My lady mother, said he, why should you not let the minstrel delight the company with such songs as the spirit moves him to give us? It is no blame to him if he sings of that which is sorrowful to us. As for you, my mother, you must learn to endure that story. For long will it be sung, and far and wide, and you were not the only one who was bereaved. Many another man besides Odysseus lost the happy days of his homecoming in the War of Troy. Penelope, his lady mother, looked in surprise at the youth who spoke to her so wisely. Was this indeed Telemachus, who before had hardly lifted his head? And as she looked at him, again she saw that he carried his head, that head of his that was so like Odysseus's high and proudly. She saw that her son was now indeed a man. Penelope spoke no word to him, for a new thought had come into her mind. She turned round on the stairs and went back with her handmaids to the chamber where her loom and her distaff were. And as she went up the stairway and away from them, her wooers muttered one to the other that she would soon have to choose one of them for her husband. Telemachus turned to those who were standing at the tables and addressed them. Wooers of my mother, he said, I have a word to say to you. By the gods, youth, said one of the wooers, you must tell us first, first who he is who has made you so high and proud of speech. Surely, said another, he who has done that is the stranger who was with him. Who is he? Why did he come here? And of what land has he declared himself to be? Why did he not stay so that we might look at him and speak to him? Said another of the wooers. 
These are the words I would say to you. Let us feast now in peace without any brawling amongst us, and listen to the tale that the minstrel sings to us, said Telemachus. But tomorrow let us have a council made up of the chief men of this land of Ithaca. I shall go to the council and speak there. I shall ask that you leave this house of mine and feast on goods that you yourselves have gathered. Let the chief men judge whether I speak in fairness to you or not. If you do not heed what I will say openly at the council before all the chief men of our land, then let it be on your own heads what will befall you. All the wooers marveled that Telemachus spoke so boldly, and one said, Because his father, Odysseus, was king, this youth thinks he should be king by inheritance. But may Zeus the god never grant that he be king. Then said Telemachus, If the god Zeus should grant that I be king, I am ready to take up the kingship of the land of Ithaca with all its toils and all its dangers. And when Telemachus said that, he looked like a young king indeed. But they sat in peace and listened to what the minstrel sang. And when evening came, the wooers left the hall and went each to his own house. Telemachus rose and went to his chamber. Before him, there went an ancient woman who had nursed him as a child. Eurycleia was her name. She carried burning torches to light his way. And when they were in his chamber, Telemachus took off his soft doublet and put it in Eurycleia's hands, and she smoothed it out and hung it on the pin at his bedside. Then she went out, and she closed the door behind with its handle of silver, and she pulled the thong that bolted the door on the other side. And all night long Telemachus lay wrapped in his fleece of wool, and thought on what he would say at the council next day, and on the goddess Athena, and what she had put into his heart to do, and on the journey that was before him to Nestor and Pylos, and to Menelaus and Helen in Sparta. As soon as it was dawn, Telemachus rose from his bed. He put on his raiment, bound his sandals on his feet, hung his sharp sword across his shoulder, and took in his hand a spear of bronze. Then he went forth to where the council was being held in the open air, and two swift hounds went beside him. The chief men of the land of Ithaca had been gathered already for the council. When it was plain that all were there, the man who was oldest among them, the lord Egyptus, rose up and spoke. He had sons and two of them were with him yet, tending his fields. But one, Euronymus by name, kept company with the wooers of Telemachus's mother. And Egyptus had another son. He had gone in Odysseus's ship to the war of Troy, and Egyptus knew he had perished on his way back. He constantly mourned for his son, and thinking upon him as he spoke, Egyptus had tears in his eyes. Never since Odysseus summoned us together before, he took ship for the war of Troy, have we met in council, said he. Why have we been brought together now? Has someone heard tidings of the return of Odysseus, 
If it be so, may the god Zeus give luck to him who tells us of such good fortune. Telemachus was glad because of the kindly speech of the old man. He rose up to speak, and the herald put a staff into his hands as a sign that he was to be listened to with reverence. Telemachus then spoke, addressing the old lord Egyptus. I will tell you who it is, he said, who has called the men of Ithaca together in council, and for what purpose? Revered lord Egyptus, I have called you together, but not because I have had tidings of the return of my father, the renowned Odysseus, nor because I would speak to you about some affair of our country. No, I would speak to you all because I suffer and because I am at a loss. I, whose father was king over you, praised by you all. Odysseus is a long way from Ithaca, and I deem that he will never return. You have lost your king, but you can put another king to rule over you. I have lost my father, and I can have no other father in all my days. And that is not all my loss, as I will now show you, men of Ithaca. For three years now my mother has been beset by men who come to woo her to be the wife for one of them. Day after day they come to our house and kill and devour our beasts and waste the wine that was laid up against my father's return. They waste our goods and our wealth. If I were nearer manhood, I would defend my house against them. But as yet I am not able to do it, and so I have to stand by and see our house and substance being destroyed. So Telemachus spoke, and when his speech was ended, Antinous, who was one of the wooers, rose up. Telemachus, said he, why do you try to put us to shame in this way? I tell all here that it is not we, but your mother who is to blame. We, knowing her husband Odysseus is no longer in life, have asked her to become the wife of one of us. She gives us no honest answer. Instead, she has given her mind to a device to keep us still waiting. I will tell you of the council what this device is. The lady Penelope set up a great loom in her house and began to weave a wide web of cloth to each of us, she sent a message saying that when the web she was working at was woven, she would choose a husband from among us. Laertes, the father of Odysseus, is alone with no one to care for him, living or dead, she said to us. I must weave a shroud for him against the time which cannot now be far off when old Laertes dies. Trouble me not while I do this. For if he should die and there be no winding sheet to wrap him round, all the women of the land would blame me greatly. We were not oppressive, and we left the Lady Penelope to weave the web, and the months have gone by, and still the web is not woven. But even now we have heard for one of her maids how Penelope tries to finish her task. What she weaves in the daytime she unravels at night, Never, then, can the web be finished, and so does she try to cheat us. She has gained praise from the people for doing this. How wise is Penelope, they say, with her devices. Let her be satisfied with their praise, then, and leave us alone. 
we too have our devices. We will live at her house and eat and drink there and give orders to her servants, and we shall see which will satisfy her best, to give an answer or to let the wealth of her house be wasted. As for you, Telemachus, I have these words to say to you. Lead your mother from your father's house and to the house of her father, Acarius. Tell Acarius to give her in marriage to the one she chooses from amongst us. Do this, and no more goods will be wasted in the house that will be yours. Then Telemachus rose and said, Never will I lead my mother out of a house that my father brought her into. Quit my father's house, or as I tell you now, the day may come when a doom will fall upon you there for your insolence in it. And even as Telemachus spoke, two eagles from a mountain crest flew over the place where the council was being held. They wheeled above and flapped their wings and looked down upon the crowd with destruction in their gaze. They tore each other with their talons and then flew away across the city. An old man who was there, Halitherses by name, a man skilled in the signs made by birds, told those who were around what was foreshown by the combat of the eagles in the air. Odysseus, he said, is not far from his friends. He will return, and his return will mean affliction for those who insult his house. Now let them make an end of their mischief. But the wooers only laughed at the old man, telling him he should go home and prophesy to his children. Then arose another old man whose name was Mentor, and he was one who had been a friend and companion of Odysseus. He spoke to the council, saying, Never again need a king be gentle in his heart. For kind and gentle to you all was your king, Odysseus. And now his son asks you for help, and you do not hurry to give it to him. It is not so much an affliction to me that these wooers waste his goods, as that you do not rise up to forbid it. But let them persist in doing it on the hazard of their own heads, for a doom will come on them, I say, and I say again to you of the council, you are many and the wooers are few. Why then do you not put them away from the house of Odysseus? But no one in the council took the side of Telemachus and Halitherses and Mentor. So powerful were the wooers, and so fearful of them were the men of the council. The wooers looked at Telemachus and his friends with mockery. Then for the last time Telemachus rose up and spoke to the council. I have spoken in the council, and the men of Ithaca know, and the gods know the rights and wrongs of my case. All I ask of you now is that you give me a swift ship with twenty youths to be my crew so that I may go to Pylos and to Sparta to seek tidings of my father. If I find he is alive and that he's returning, then I can endure to wait another year in the house and submit to what you do there. Even at this speech they mocked. Said one of them, Leocritus by name, Though Odysseus be alive and should one day come into his own hall, that would not affright us. He is one, and we are many, and if he should strive with those who outnumber him, why then let his doom be on his own head? And now, men of the council, scatter yourselves and go each to his own home, and let Mentor and Halitherses help Telemachus to get a ship and a crew. Leocritus knew that 
Mentor and Halitherses were old and had few friends, and that they could do nothing to help Telemachus to get a ship. The council broke up, and those who were in it were scattered. But the wooers went back together to the house of Odysseus.